You're listening to Policy Currents, a weekly podcast from the RAND Corporation. I'm Evan Banks. And I'm Deanna Lee. Every Friday, we bring you new insights from RAND's latest research and commentary. It's March 4th. Vladimir Putin's onslaught in Ukraine continues. Although his advance on the northern capital of Kiev has reportedly stalled, Russian forces made gains this week in the southern part of the country, capturing the port city of Kherson just north of the Crimean Peninsula that Russia annexed in 2014. An estimated one million Ukrainians have fled the country so far, and about the same number of people are thought to be internally displaced, having abandoned their homes to escape the fighting but remaining in Ukraine. Talks between Russia and Ukraine have yielded little progress toward ending the war, but the two countries agreed yesterday to establish humanitarian corridors that would allow for potential ceasefires and the rescue of civilians in areas of intense fighting. Russia's unprecedented act of aggression against Ukraine warrants a forceful response from the U.S. and its allies. But, according to Rand Samuel Cherup, the West should consider the dire possibility that its response could unintentionally trigger a spiral of escalation that could lead to the only outcome worse than the invasion of Ukraine itself, a hot war between Russia and NATO. Accidents or miscalculations could lead to escalation. For example, a Russian aircraft could stray into nearby NATO airspace. A Russian targeting error in the fog of war could lead to a missile strike on NATO territory. Or, Russia could misinterpret NATO's efforts to reinforce frontline allies as an attempt to intervene in Ukraine, and might well respond accordingly. Fortunately, there are ways to mitigate the risk, Cherup says. First, U.S. and NATO military leaders should maintain communication with their Russian counterparts. Second, while active Russian combat operations continue, these communication channels could be used to provide additional transparency about the nature of U.S. and NATO force movements, as long as this transparency doesn't undermine operational security, of course. This would help ensure that NATO activity is not misinterpreted by Moscow. Third, the West could leverage some sanctions to push Putin to abandon his goal of decapitating the Ukrainian government and installing a pro-Russian puppet regime. Fourth and finally, U.S. and allied military leaders should factor in escalation concerns when deciding what assistance to deliver to Ukraine and how to deliver it. These measures may help ensure that, as the West rightly imposes costs on Russia, it does so in a way that avoids a broader war that could cause even more death and destruction. Russia's war on Ukraine was a key feature in President Biden's State of the Union address on Tuesday evening. He rebuked Russia for its, quote, premeditated and unprovoked attack and praised the Ukrainian people for their bravery and resolve. Russia's Vladimir Putin sought to shake the very foundations of the free world, thinking he could make it bend to his menacing ways. But he badly miscalculated. He thought he could roll into Ukraine and the world would roll over. Instead, he met with a wall of strength he never anticipated or imagined. He met the Ukrainian people. Rand researchers who have studied civilian-based resistance in the Baltic states recently wrote about what a prolonged Ukrainian resistance to Russian occupiers might entail. Ukraine has considerable resources and human capacity to raise the costs of a Russian occupation, the researchers said. 
but sustaining a national resistance would almost certainly require significant international support. Biden also called out Putin's lies about the war. A popular 2016 RAND publication looks closely at Russia's approach to propaganda, which the authors describe as the firehose of falsehood. As the name suggests, Moscow has long used many channels and messages to shamelessly disseminate partial truths or outright lies. The authors explore why Russia's approach to propaganda is so effective and offer recommendations for how to respond. In short, don't expect to counter Moscow's firehose of falsehood with a figurative squirt gun of truth. That won't work. Instead, think about countering Russia like putting raincoats on people who would otherwise become soaked by Moscow's disinformation. While Russia-Ukraine is obviously top of mind for everyone right now, it wasn't the only topic covered in Tuesday's address. President Biden also spoke at length about lowering the costs of prescription drugs. Insulin costs about $10 a vial to make. That's what it costs the, the pharmaceutical company. But drug companies charge families like Joshua and his dad up to 30 times that amount. Biden mentioned insulin specifically because it's become a symbol of high prescription drug prices and healthcare costs in America. In fact, Rand researchers recently found that drug companies charge more for insulin in the U.S. than in nearly three dozen other countries. The average price per unit of insulin in America is $98.70. In Japan, it's $14.40. In the U.K., it's $7.52. Another Rand study found that, overall, Prescription drug prices in the U.S. are 2.56 times those in 32 other high-income countries, with brand-name drugs being the primary driver of these high prices. Another topic on President Biden's domestic agenda, veterans. Support our veterans. Veterans are the backbone and the spine of this country. They're the best of us. I've always believed that we have a sacred obligation to equip those we send to war and care for those and their family when they come home. Biden went on to refer to his administration's efforts to provide veterans with job training, housing, and health care. Rand Research provides insights into all three of these issues. First, job training. After analyzing more than one million records of veterans' employment and earnings after their separation from the military— Rand researchers found that veterans frequently earned less after leaving the military than they did during active duty. This suggests that more support is needed to help service members build marketable career skills and transition into the civilian workforce. Next, housing. A Rand study published last fall followed 26 veterans experiencing homelessness in Los Angeles for one year. Even though all of the study participants lived near a major VA service center, only three had permanent housing by the time the study ended. Housing was a priority for these veterans, but they struggled to find options that were safe, private, and respected their autonomy. To address this, RAND researchers recommend that the VA consider investing more in outreach services that can help veterans find stable, permanent housing that meets their specific needs. And finally, healthcare. Veterans use multiple sources of healthcare, including care delivered by private providers. 
but according to a 2018 RAND report, most private sector healthcare providers lack the specialized knowledge and training they need to treat veterans. For example, these providers were often unfamiliar with military culture or failed to routinely screen for conditions common among veterans. More work needs to be done to prepare the civilian healthcare workforce to address the unique needs of veterans. Biden's address touched on a number of other domestic issues, including improving mental health care, addressing the opioid crisis, and proposed changes to gun policy. To read our full recap of the State of the Union and get further insights from RAND research on these important topics, visit the RAND blog. We'll close today's episode with a topic that wasn't in this year's State of the Union address, but might become a fixture in presidential speeches sooner than you think, outer space. How humans use space is changing rapidly. Last year, for example, we saw the spaceflight industry take off. To understand what this second space race might bring, researchers at RAND Europe have been exploring potential extraterrestrial opportunities and threats between now and 2050. In a new report, the researchers identified around 200 potential uses of space and organized them into 15 areas that are really wide-ranging. They cover everything from mining asteroids, comets, and planets, to space tourism, to space-related medical research, to illicit activities like space piracy. Their projections for the future suggest that significant change is expected in the space economy. There will be growth both in the upstream segment, that is, activities related to sending spacecraft and satellites into outer space, and the downstream segment, activities that use space data to offer products and services such as space-based food production and space-based manufacturing. Overall, the researchers find that as more and more space markets and use cases emerge, the space sector may become increasingly indistinguishable from the wider global economy. RAND is a nonprofit institution that helps improve policy and decision-making through research and analysis. For more on what we covered today, check the show notes at rand.org slash podcast. See you next week.